You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. It's uh, so great to um, be here. I really appreciate uh, the Craig family coming to you from uh, the Craig Garage. I uh, really appreciate the uh, tech team and uh, the worship team that's here. And uh, It's really great to be here. It's fun to be here in person, and I'm glad to be able to um, speak to you uh, this morning about uh, our series on Philippians. And uh, we're going to wrap it up today. Uh, I'll be looking at the last chapter of Philippians, chapter, Philippians chapter 4. And our theme has been uh, Together as One. And uh, just a quick recap, uh, you know, the first week Brian talked about uh, striving together as one, how we're all on the same page, we're all in the same struggle against Satan. Week two, he talked about having the, the aligning our mindset with the mindset of Christ. He talked about the word for Neho, which I will talk about in a little bit. Uh, last week, Steve did a great job uh, on Philippians 3, talking about uh, liberation and determination, you know, liberate, liberating ourselves and being able to not let our guilt or our pride from our past hold us back, but instead being determined to move ahead and be like Christ. And so today we're going to look at chapter 4, and the title is Partners in the Gospel. And uh, we're going to look at a few concepts that will kind of tie it all together, the whole book of Philippians. Uh, you know, I think this, this uh, series... With the, especially with the theme together as one, has been really important for what we're going through in this crisis. Because I really think our faith and our unity is being challenged by this pandemic. I don't know about you, but is it harder and harder to have a good attitude, a positive attitude about this? You know, it's like, you know, the first few weeks it was kind of an adventure, kind of like, hey, you know, we get to stay home and it's kind of fun and all this, you know, all the creative things we can do. But as time goes on, it's gotten a little wearying, hasn't it? Yeah. And I think it's, it's challenged our unity as a church in some ways. It's hard to feel, you know, close to one another uh, because we're isolated. Uh, you know, we spend more and more time by ourselves. You know, we can go through almost a whole week with really not interacting with anybody except in our home. And, uh, you know, it's a challenge to us feeling unified. Uh, now, you know, I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't follow the rules. I, I'm totally in favor of what we're doing and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's something that we have to be aware of, that we have to work hard on feeling unified with the church and being unified. Yeah. I think another thing that challenges our unity, besides being isolated, is the different viewpoints we can have on different things. Different opinions. Uh, sometimes those can cause us to be disunified. You know, and everybody has an opinion. You know, I've got a lot of them. All, right. All of mine are right. But... <laughs> Uh, but we have a lot of opinions, right? We have a, opinions about yeah, opinions about this pandemic, you know, about what we should be doing. Uh, we can have opinions about politics. We can have opinions about social justice. We can have opinions about anything, you know. And um, and it's going to be natural because we all come from different families of origin, right? We all have different backgrounds. Right. How we were raised influences how we think about things, mm -hmm. and uh, and that's fine. You know, that's, that's healthy in a lot of ways. But it can lead, if we're not careful, it can lead to conflict and it can lead to disunity in the church. And I believe nothing is more important than being unified as a church. We need each other, especially in this challenging time, to be close, to help each other. We need one another to keep us faithful. We need one another 
to help us make it through this. You know, Satan is always at work trying to divide the church. He's always at work trying to divide us, trying to get us into different splinter groups or whatever it is. He's done that from the beginning. That's not a new scheme of his. That's one of his tried and true methods is to separate us in some ways. And so we've got to fight for our unity. We need one another. We need partners. You know, and like I said, the title is Partners in the Gospel. We need partners in the gospel to help us make it and be strong and faithful. Amen? We need someone, a partner, someone who's right there with us, who's standing beside us, who has the same mindset as we do, who has the same goals that we do, that's helping us, that's pulling us through. Sometimes we're pulling them. Sometimes they're pulling us. Whatever it is, but we need partners that help us stay strong spiritually through this time. Who is your partner? Or who are your partners? You can have more than one. You know, think about that. Who is it in the church that is helping you in this time maintain your perspective? You know, one of my partners I appreciate is Dan Rowley. You know, he and I have started, you know, last few weeks just getting together in person. You know, on Tuesday afternoons, we meet at a park. We meet outside. We both wear a mask. We're both six feet apart. So we're, you know, socially distancing. But we're just getting together and spending a little time together seeing how we're doing. I need that. I, I appreciate that. Uh, he's a partner helping me stay strong. Amen. But what is a challenge to these partnerships? It's when we have conflicts, and when we have conflicts with one another. You know, in Philippians chapter 4, look over there, Paul talks about a conflict that happened in the church in Philippi. Okay. In Philippians chapter 4, says in verse 2, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche. That's my best shot at the pronunciation. <laughs> to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, true companion, to help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and with the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. So Paul starts off the fourth chapter here with a plea to these two sisters to be of the same mind. You know, a side note, how'd you like to uh, be known throughout all uh, time <laughs> as having a conflict? You know, Paul, Paul calls them out by name. You know, we, we may not know how to pronounce their name, but we know who they are, right? We, we know they had some sort of a disagreement that Paul felt like needed to be addressed. And, you know, I, I don't think Paul was trying to, you know be on blast on these poor girls. Uh, but I, I think that he knew how destructive conflicts in the church can be. And that we need to work on resolving conflicts, especially with, between members of the church, and stay unified. Because that can cause a lot of problems. You know, and we're familiar with conflict, aren't we? Yep. I mean, conflict comes from all different sources, all different types. You know, you can have conflict at work. You know, maybe you and your boss don't get along or don't see things eye to eye or your co-workers. Uh, students, you know, when you were in school, <laughs> you may have had conflicts with your teachers or conflicts with fellow classmates. And maybe you even still do, even though you're learning through Zoom or however that's working. We can have conflicts in our communities with our neighbors. You know, maybe, you know, they, they're loud or something. I know for Mary and I, we, you know, our neighbors... Our conflict is with their dogs. You know, we, we live close to a hospital and close to a uh, police station. And so we have sirens all the time. And every time a siren goes off, all the dogs start barking or moaning or something. And we're like crying out loud. Uh, what's up with these dogs? So we can have a conflict with our neighbors. 
we can have conflict at home. Now, this may or may not apply to anybody, you know, conflict between spouses. Probably, you know, yeah, you know, you know, Calvin's going, no, no, no. And Elaine's going, yes, yes, yes. Um, but we, we, have, we can have conflicts between our spouses, right? And we can have conflicts with our kids, you know. Uh, sometimes there's even conflicts between our kids, right? Yep. And then usually what happens when we try to help our kids get through their conflict, it ends up causing a conflict between the parents again, right? Um, so we have conflicts. And unfortunately, let's be honest, we can have conflicts in the church. And, you know, and the truth is we're not all perfect. We're all sinners. We're going to have different things that's going to cause conflict. So the, the problem is not, we're not going to have conflict. The solution is how we work through our conflicts. Right. Because conflict is real. Something we have to deal with. You know, and, and I'm a person that's a conflict avoider, so usually my first avenue to go to is to ignore it, hope it goes away. You know, there's probably some out there like that. Uh, but unfortunately, what I've learned over the years is that that doesn't really work. Right. In fact, actually, it ends up being even worse. Right. Uh, and so, this, so Paul brought up this conflict between these two sisters uh, because he knew it was something that they needed to work through and the church needed to help them work through because it could cause a lot of problems. And so what does Paul say that they should do to help resolve this conflict? Well, he says, verse 2, I plead with them to be of the same mind in the Lord. That when it says to be of the same mind, that is the word freneho uh, that Brian talked about. We looked at it in, when we looked at uh, Philippians 2. In Philippians 2... It says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and mind, being freneho. So it's the same concept, the same word of being one in mind. Right. And that's how it's translated, of one mind. And it means to intentionally aligning your mindset with another mindset outside of yourself. Right. In this case, it would the mindset of Christ. We are aligning ourselves with the mindset of Christ. No longer our mindset, but we're going to line it up with what Christ's mindset yep. is. And re- quick review, we look back in Philippians 2, what does Paul talk about the mindset of Christ? It's putting others above yourselves. Right. It's looking to their interests instead of your own interests. It's humbling yourself the way Jesus did. And it's becoming obedient to God's plan, not your plan. Amen. That's all part of aligning your mindset with Christ. The Bible doesn't say what this particular disagreement about was about with these two sisters, but they obviously were not on the same mindset. They were of two different minds. And so Paul calls them to have the main mindset. You know, one time they were together, you know, he talks about, you know, these sisters have contended at my side for the gospel. So at one time they were partners, you know, working together, but something came up to cause them to look at things differently. And so Paul calls them in the Lord to have the same mindset of Christ. Now, having different views on things is not wrong. As I said earlier, we're all different. We all are going to come from different backgrounds. And actually, I, I appreciate the conversations and talks I've had with other brothers and sisters and other people who were raised differently than me, that have a different mindset with me. Than, than I have. I've learned a lot. I've learned. I've understood more. I've, I've I've had a more complete view of things. So you know, having different opinions and different views is not wrong. 
um, you know, we don't all have to have the same opinion as everybody. The problem comes is that when our different views and our different mindsets lead to conflict with one another. You know, and a lot of times conflict comes when one person feels like their view is the right view and that everybody should think that way. And then if you think differently, then you're obviously wrong and you're incorrect. Okay? That's when a lot of where conflicts can come up. And it's not always, a lot of these things are not always a right or wrong answer. There, there can be both right answers. But if there's a conflict, as brothers and sisters, we need to be focused on being unified together. We need to look at what the mindset of Christ is and be willing to submit our view to the mindset of Christ. Um, we can have our separate views on things, but if it causes a conflict, we need to put our views away or subordinate them to the mindset of Christ. You know, as I thought about this, I came up with a little slide or a little uh, illustration. So this is my own invention, so be, uh, be gentle with me. So uh, my first slide is uh, you have one circle. Um, oh, I'm sorry, there it is. I'm sorry, getting set up here. You have two circles. You have a conflict. You have me and you, my view, your view. Okay, so there's, there are two separate things. They're in conflict. They're not together. Okay? That's what happens a lot of times. I have my view, you have your view, and we're in conflict. Then, the second slide shows, through understanding and through tolerance, we are now in the same circle. We both have our same view, so we're no longer in conflict. So, <clears throat> through understanding one another through tolerance, through seeing the other person's viewpoints, like, oh, I can see that. Okay, good. So we are no longer fighting. We're no longer in conflict, but we still have our both views. And I think that's a lot of what we try to hope for in the world is, you know, just stop fighting. Let's just get along together. Let's just, you know, understand one another. Let's just tolerate one another. You know, and I think that's a great step, but I think in the church, I think God wants us to take it another step higher. Amen. And so my third view is unity. And in this slide, you have, once again, we're all in the same circle. We're not in conflict. But now, my view and your view is underneath Christ's view. And so now, Christ's view is what's most important. And that's where the unity is, is that now we no longer hold to our views necessarily. We are focused on Christ Amen. and his view. And I think that's what the kind of unity that we'd be shooting for in Christ. Right. You know, God wants us to do more than just not fight. To do more than just be able to same, be in the same room with one another. He wants us to be unified through the mindset of Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, I know it can be hard sometimes to get to this point, you know. Um, it can be hard to put our own views away, uh, to subject them to Christ's view sometimes. Uh, and I think it's hard, especially for us Americans. You know, I, uh, I'm taking a master's course, and one of the classes I had was on global Christianity, which was an awesome class. I really learned a lot. And in the class, the professor talked about cultures and societies. You know, and some, some cultures and societies are individualistic versus some that are collective. Mm -hmm. You know, and the United States or Americans are very, a very individualistic society. You know, and what that means is they place a high value on individual rights and individual 
uh, privileges and things like that. They're focused on the individual where a collective society, they look at things more as a community, more as together. You know, and one example of this really comes in when, in when each culture views property. Yeah. And uh, he shared an example. Uh, my professor was, you know, uh, a missionary in the Congo for like 10 years. And uh, he lived over there and, you know, worked with a church there. And he was sharing about, you know, how one time he bought a truck, you know, to uh, help with the church work, right? And uh, it took a long time to get the truck to the Congo. Apparently, with all the red tape and whatever it was, you know, he had to buy it in another country, register it. You know, it just took a long, involved process before he was finally able to get his truck to where he lived to be a part of the church, you know, help the church where he was living. And he said he remembered that when he finally got his truck there and brought it to church, he's like, my truck has finally got here. You know, and all of the African brothers and sisters were like, Yay, our truck is finally here. <laughs> and he's like, at first he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, my truck, I bought it. I had to do all the paperwork, you know. But that's just how that culture views things. It's ours. It's together. And that really stood out to him. You know, and I think what we should learn from that is, you know, an individualistic society or a collective society, one's not better than the other, one's not right, one's not wrong. There's good and, par and bad parts to both of them. But I think as in America, we can learn a lot from a collective culture, especially in the area of unity. I think we, when we think about unity, we should look more at things as not mine, but as ours together. You know, and what's more important to you? Having your view or being unified together with the mind of Christ? You know, we need to be, in a sense, the collective in that way in the church, that Christ's view, our view as a church and unity, that's what's more important than maybe my individual view, and our views need to be sub, sub, subordinate to that. Amen? Yeah. You know, on a practical level, you know, think about your life. Are you in a conflict with someone right now? Is there somebody that you're just, you know, having a hard time with? Well, let me ask you, or encourage you to think about, what would Jesus say about the issue? Or even more, what would the mindset of Christ be about this issue? And then commit to having the mindset of Christ, even if that may involve changing your own view on something. Work on resolving it. And if you need to, get other people to help you resolve it. Because, you know, even those two sisters in Philippians, Paul said, you know, you guys need to help them. Sometimes we need help to resolve things. But commit to putting the mindset of Christ over your own view. Amen? What's the opposite of conflict? Peace. You know, and uh, so right after Paul talks about a conflict here in chapter 4, his next few verses are going to talk about the peace of God. Elaine mentioned that in, the, in her Lord's Supper sharing, which was awesome. Uh, but, you know, we've been talking about conflict between each other, between different people, right? And that can cause a lack of peace in our hearts. But also, don't we have conflict within ourselves that can cause us not to be at peace? Uh, our own fears, our own anxieties, uh, you know, not understanding things, not knowing what's going to happen. All these things can be things that we wrestle with in our own heart and cause us to not be at peace. Uh, in fact, this might even be the biggest source of conflict you're feeling right now. It's not that you're not really you know, not unified with people or whatever, it's, I'm just struggling with being at peace through this whole time. So what does Paul say in Philippians chapter 4? 
in verse, starting in verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Now he says there, in verse 5, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. That covers everything, doesn't it? Every situation. That covers conflicts you know, with each other. That covers anything we're feeling. It covers anything we might be worried about. It maybe it covers this COVID pandemic. It covers you know, feeling like, how long is this going to go on? How uh, how, when can we get together again? Uh, how am I going to work on educating my kids? Am I going to be able to keep my job? What's up with the economy? Is the Major League Baseball season going to be canceled? I mean, things that really can bother us, right? Uh, it covers everything. And what does Paul say to do? He basically says, you just need to take it to God. Present your request to God. He says, take it to God. So not only do we need partners with each other, we need to be, again, partners with God. Amen? And we see that in Jesus' life. You know, in Hebrews chapter 5, a great verse, in chapter 5, verse 7, you know, it says, during the days, or during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. So basically, what Hebrews is saying here is Jesus modeled Philippians 4, 6 for us. He did exactly what Paul talked about. You know, when Jesus faced challenges in his, in his life, and he faced a lot of them, he faced a lot of potential anxiety with his interactions with the disciples, with the Pharisees, with all these different things, but whatever, whenever he felt challenged, he took it to God. He offered up prayers and petitions, and sometimes with loud cries, uh, just like Paul tells us to do in Philippians 4. Uh, you know, the obvious example is when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, when he was facing the cross, and he didn't really want to go through it, he was struggling with it, but he put it before God, and he said, God, you know, help me with this, I'll take this cup away from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And so in the same way we're talking about, we've got to subordinate our will to Christ's view. Jesus modeled for us. He put his own desires, his own will, underneath what God wanted him to do and went through and followed through on the Christ. And followed through on the plan to go to the cross. So we need to, when we're struggling with things, when we're having a hard time with things, we should be focused on, what, on having the mindset of Christ and also turning it over to God. You know, I think it's interesting, well, before I say that, it's like, um, when we do that, when we bring it to God, it's he, Paul says that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I think what's interesting is that basically Paul says, we need divine intervention. <laughs> he said, we just need God to help us. When we're struggling with things, we just need God to come in and help us. Because the truth is, we need God to change our hearts. We need God to help us understand things the way he, the way he sees it. 
And if he and if we if he doesn't decide to help us understand things the way that he does, we need to learn to just trust God and trust him. Amen. Amen. Because the truth is, we're not always going to understand everything that goes on around us. We're not always going to be understand what God's purpose is in all this. And I don't know about you, but for me, you know, sometimes I think, you know, if, if I can just understand what's going on here, <laughs> I mean, just, if I can just see the reasoning behind this, even if I don't necessarily agree with it, if I can just see where we're going, you know, where is this going to lead to? What is this going to happen? I can be at peace, right? Uh, if I can just, you know, understand a little bit, then, then I can be at peace. See, a lot of times we want to have understanding before we have peace. And a lot of times it doesn't work that way. And God says, you can have understanding, I said, you can have peace before you have understanding. Because we're not going to have that. We're just going to, at times we're going to have to trust God. We're going to have to have God change our hearts and bring in divine intervention to really help us. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He says, when you do that, you know, God will come in and he can give you the peace in your heart even before you have understanding. And we may never have understanding on a lot of things until we see God one day. But we can still be at peace in this life by turning it over to God. You know, and I've seen at times in my own life where this has been true. You know, I, I've... Uh, you know, been challenged by things and, you know, have, have worried and stressed about different things. And, 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 but when I finally, and usually it takes me, you know, I should get to this point a lot sooner than I do a lot of times, but, you know, when I finally just sit down and pray and I, and I just bring everything to God, I, I tell Him all that I'm feeling, all that I'm thinking, all the different things that I've thought about, all, I just I bring everything I possibly can about a situation and I just say, God, let me lay it all out before you and then I also pray, please help me surrender my will to yours. When I've had those kind of prayers, I have felt the peace of God. I have felt divine intervention in some ways. You know, and I think, brothers and sisters, we need to help one another pray this way consistently. We need to maybe help each other learn how to pray this way. Especially through this time. There's a lot of things about what we're going through that we're not going to understand. And it can lead to a lot of lack of peace. So I think our solution is to help one another pray this prayer in Philippians 4. Bring it to God. Lay it before God. Say, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. Whatever your will is, that's what I want to do. Sometimes it's going to take loud cries and tears. <laughs> you know, and it did for Jesus. You know, uh, Jesus learned that. But he learned it, and he was able to be successful because he followed God in reverent submission. Amen? So as I wrap up here, uh, conflict and peace. One of them we have, it's a part of life whether we like it or not. The other one, we need more of in our life. <laughs> um, so let's, on conflict side, let's deal with conflict by getting and aligning ourselves with the mindset of Christ. Amen? Amen. And for peace, let's pray for the peace of God. Let's pray to be surrendered to God's will. Let's pray for God to come in and give us divine under divine intervention and divine uh, peace. Amen. Uh, thank you. Pr appreciate everybody' uh, attention and. Uh,
that's the lesson for you. Hopefully that's encouraging. Uh, at this point, uh, I'm going to pray for the offering. Yeah, Amen. Great. Thank you. Thank you. This is a crazy crowd here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pray for the offering. <clears throat> but before I do that, I just wanted to uh, remind you, we, we put a CCB out. Excuse me, that we're, gonna, we're taking up a, a collection for school supplies for Communities Child, which is an organization in Torrance that helps at-risk youth. Uh, so you can either bring school supplies and stuff to our house and we'll take it to them, or you can Venmo me uh, money and then, and then we'll go buy it and bring it to them. But Mary will send up a follow-out CCB with the items that they're requesting. So just want to remind people about that. We've already had a number of people donate, so thank you very much and appreciate that. And uh, again, if you want to just buy supplies yourself, that's totally fine. You can bring them to our house, and we'll make sure they get to the right place. So uh, look for another CCB about that, and hopefully you can participate in that. So again, as we think about our offering, just, uh, you know, again, we, we owe so much to God. Uh, it, it's hard to even put into words how much God has blessed us. And uh, we have a chance, uh, as part of our worship, to give back through our offering. And... Uh, Please uh, have an open and a giving heart to do that. Let me pray for that, and then um, we'll move on. So, Father, again, we thank you for um, your love for us. Thank you so much for how much you have blessed us. Uh, at this time, we have a chance to give back to you to help support the church. Father, I pray that as uh, members, we will give it with a, a sacrificial heart, but also a heart of, of cheerfulness, of uh, gratitude of knowing how much you've done for us. Uh, thank you again for how much you love us. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.